Hi, I'm Taryn Winterbrill, host of Bestseller TV on C-Suite Radio. On this show, I sit down with leading business authors to find out what makes their books stand out from the crowd. With thousands of new business books and titles being published each year, we try to make it just a little bit easier for you to decide which ones are worth the read. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Bestseller TV. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. We're here with Lisa Levy. She is the author of Future Proofing Cubed, the definitive guide to increasing productivity, refining processes, and bolstering profitability. It's great to have you with us. Thanks, Taryn. It's great to be here. I always like this occasion because this is your first book, so congratulations. Thank you. I like interviewing first book authors or first time authors because I'm always curious about your process and why you're so passionate about this topic specifically and why the need and the passion to put it on paper, so to speak. Absolutely. So this is the genesis of 10 years of consulting practice and what we've built in the L-Cubed consulting team. And it's an opportunity to just take our message and our story to a larger audience and help business leaders learn tips and tricks that they can use easily and you know apply to their businesses and have an impact. Yeah, and I should say L cubed, that's that's the name of your consulting business. Correct. And I, and I found out rather off camera L cubed are your initials. They right? are. Okay, because you're you're Lisa L Levy. I am, I am. And so the, the nickname L cubed started when I was a kid uh-huh. and when I made the decision to start the company it just sort of stuck. Got it. And the, and the cubed part of the title is related to your business. Absolutely. Okay. Good things happen in threes. Yes. And I guess that's the three productivity, processes, and profitability, the three things following the title. So that's great. So tell us first off about your consulting business. Tell us about L Cubed and what you guys do. Right. So L Cubed is a consulting practice that I've built over the past 10 years. Um, the book, I'm describing the story of where and how we came to be, um, some interesting stories along the way, but it's really an opportunity to showcase our adaptive transformation framework, which is a set of best practices that we bring to smaller companies in ways that large consulting companies may take them forward, but we make them a little bit more consumable. So what do you mean by that? It's called adaptive transformation. So put that into words a little bit, because you're saying that's something that you guys do. It is. So adaptive transformation is our, is our practice, it's our approach. It's our ability to take some best practices, project management, process performance management, internal controls and organizational change management, which in large companies are used as business functions in and of themselves. But we've combined them in a unique way so that all organizations can get the value from those practices without having to have large teams of people dedicated to understanding those disciplines. And was this you know, many years in, in the making, I'd imagine? It's about 10 years in the making, and that sort of last year was our anniversary and mm-hmm. the path when I started actually writing the book. So after 10 years, the genesis of this, of this book, I'm always curious why you want to share the, the secrets of, of your trade, so to speak. Mostly because they really aren't secrets. Okay. So what we're doing is combining best practices and making them consumable to larger groups of people. Any business leader or owner can invest time and training into project management, organizational change management. They can build teams to do this. But with our adaptive transformation framework, we see it cross-functionally so that everybody has some basic capabilities in those areas and can leverage that for the impact for the business growth. 
So I want to get into some of these real-life examples, how you've taken your consultancy and applied it to places and companies, I should say, like Amex, Uggs, Freedom Financial. But I did want to go back uh, for a moment because the beginning of the book is about an anecdote, a special anecdote for you, because you describe how you had your dream job, so to speak, Lisa, and you had perhaps your dream car, you were driving a Porsche, and you talk about kind of throwing it all away and taking a gamble and saying, I'm not happy and I'm going to make a change. But it started with selling your Porsche? It started with a dream job that became a total failure. Right. And looking around and being very frustrated with what I was hoping was going to be a life-changing experience. And watching an organization grow and build very strong silos with lots of consultants coming in and advising and nothing actually getting done. But what was the dream job? You were a consultant? I was working for an emerging company. They were growing, getting ready, um, the, the goal of an IPO. Right. Still young, still entrepreneurial, but not making the progress that they thought that they would be making. Okay. And as I was fulfilling my role of building a program management office, I was fighting these silos that existed in the business. Right. And it was frustrating. Day in and day out, everything just sort of changed, but nothing changed. Yeah. The words changed. And, and I just, I was tired of it. And I walked away and I came up with this idea of there is a better way. And it's about being cross-functional. Right. It's about taking the best practices that we've talked about that make up adaptive transformation and using them everywhere. So I faced a personal fear of uncertainty. I was single. I had a mortgage. And I had this car. <laughs> um, the car I'd had for a couple of years, I bought it as my personal declaration of independence following my divorce. But, you know, it was just a car. I loved yeah. it. Yeah. But it had the ability to become something that funded a dream. Yeah. And so, yeah, I said bye-bye to the baby right. and, and started the journey of creating LQ. So I really appreciate Lisa in the book. It's sort of an adventure of you, you describe in detail, taking the Porsche to, I think it was a Toyota RAV4 dealership. Yeah. You walk out with a RAV4, but lots more money in the bank, and you were on your way to discovering L-Cube. And really, what, you know, coming from what you thought was your dream job, but then sort of seeing the discrepancies and saying, hey, I can do better. So it, there's really a message in that, and because you really learned on the job, right? And what you thought was your dream job. I, I really did learn what you know wasn't working, yeah. and had the epiphany that there is you know a, a better way of doing it, and I, it was about facing the unknown and just going for it. Yeah, and I think you mentioned so it was sort of consultants were coming in, but they with the C-suite, let's say, or yeah. members of the C-suite, but they weren't communicating. These consultants right. were kind of just in their own lane, and no, right. it wasn't a team. Situation. Everything was in a silo. a silo, right? And nothing was shared across. So that was really it was fundamental to me when building adaptive transformation that everything we do is cross-functional mm -hmm. and slices across the organization rather than just staying in those verticals. How do you do that? How do you implement that into a big company? You talk about Amex and Uggs and some of your other clients because how, how are you cross-functional in a C-suite that becomes bigger and bigger and bigger, you know, depending on the company right. you're in? So in the bigger and bigger and bigger, it is harder and harder and harder. Right. And I've spent 10 years doing bits and pieces of that. Okay. With the book, what I'm really trying to do is change that target audience down to the middle market, down to companies where a founder has grown it up and maybe building their first executive team and really taking it into a place where it can be impactful from the beginning hmm. so that we don't have to fight the silos. We just help them grow cross-functional from the very beginning. 
So who is the target reader for you then? Is it that middle market It is company? absolutely the middle market. Okay. Yeah, the, the big companies are really well um, serviced by large consultancies. Right. And the middle market, there's an opportunity for them to learn things and because they are still entrepreneurial, they're able to, as we call it, adapt yeah. and thrive faster. C-Suite Radio. And you talk in the book about how sort of traditional consultancies have changed. Yes. And you're sort of riding that wave. So what would you say are the biggest differences? You've mentioned sort of connecting these silos or de-siloing. I don't know if that's <laughs> the term, but that's kind of how I interpreted it. As we're we're going to make it, it a term today. We yeah. are de-siloing. De-silo, right. Yeah. Typically we talk about it as breaking the silos. Right. Um, so in, the, in a traditional consulting model, there, there are certain challenges that come with it because they embrace... Um, and they bring in recent college grads, ah. and they train them to become consultants. And fundamentally, I think that the consulting years follow the learning years. Huh. And so the team that we have at L-Cubed, we, um, well, I'll be honest, we talk about it really you know, behind the scenes as we have uh, gray hair and scar tissue to share with our clients. We've been there, we've yeah. done that and we're bringing very specific expertise. It's life experience. It is life experience as well as professional experience. Right. And so the difference that we have is the ability to add value and capability on day one. Right. And with the more traditional consulting practices, they bring in teams and they're larger because they're learning as they're right. growing. We talk about it maybe yeah. they land and expand. Right. And it's about the consulting agencies growing their business right? and less about the actual results for the client. So we try to be very lean and mean. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you said that because as, as I was reading it, it, it makes total sense. I have a lot of friends who graduated from college, right? And they graduate with a degree from Wharton, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the best business schools in the country. And they become a consultant at McKinsey or these big firms. And I immediately thought to myself, how can you consult when you've, you haven't learned yet, right? You haven't been out there, everything you just said. And I thought to myself, well, I guess the, the Wharton name, I guess, is enough. And you're consulting based on what you've learned in school. But that's not real practical experience. So I don't, it's not surprising to me. But I guess what I'm surprised at is how many, you, you know, you've experienced it, how many consultants are right out of school and why a, a company would entrust someone just out of school as opposed to someone with more life experience who has learned already. And so in those larger agencies, right, they are, I call them the ducklings. And yeah. the ducklings go out and they are supervised by people with different levels of experience. And they'll have an immediate supervisor who has a managing partner, ah, who has a general manager. And all of that is to deliver results. Uh -huh. But as you start thinking about all of those bodies, they each have a cost associated. Yes, right. And so we're able to do comparable work and add the capabilities with a much smaller team right. of experienced professionals so that we can do similar things, but we can do it faster. Yeah, and kind of like, it sounds like in a more intimate setting. And we also are able to teach and share our knowledge right. and embed it in the organization and it stays with our client. Yeah and it doesn't leave with those little consultants who then go on to the next thing. Right, right. Can you tell us a little bit about the work you've done with Amex and Uggs and places like that? Sure, some of the, you know, the clients that have given us the opportunities over this past decade yeah. are opportunities to go in and build practices for them. Um, American Express, we did some work with their global team looking at you know, how to select vendors and get the right suppliers in for different work. 
um, for the UGG group, we were helping them standardize project management for their e-commerce platform cool. and that team. You know, Lisa, something you do in the book that I think is really unique and special is you show your human side to your clients and you're very vocal about that and sort of your vulnerability of saying to your client, hey, this is what keeps me up at night and you know why it's important to you and why you encourage them to do the same. What's the benefit of that? Well, for me, it was really difficult. Owning one's fear and uncertainty, being vulnerable, is risky. Sure. And we all feel it. And we all kind of go through those things at two in the morning, that list of, oh my gosh, I have to, or mm -hmm. what ifs. Right. And so with the book, I just, I, I really felt it was necessary to, to tackle that head on because I know I don't like admitting when I'm vulnerable. So I make a sweeping assumption that nobody really does. Right. And so talking about it in the book allows us to just know that there are things that we're all afraid of. And yeah. if we don't address them, they grow and, and take over. But in the light of day, if we can say, these are the things that were running through my head at two this morning, yeah. we can make a plan and, and tackle them and address them and, and diminish the power that they have. And what's the reception like from the clients? Everybody wakes up at two in the morning or yeah. three in the morning with something at some point in time. And so being human, being open, it, it's just easier to have a conversation that way. I like the expressions you use, Lisa, because you make it very user-friendly. Mm -hmm. um, I'm someone who's never done consulting, but you keep the momentum, momentum flowing because you talk about the wrong person's doing the wrong job, and you make, you know, you make the reader want to read more. Uh, that's the way we've always done it. You call it a syndrome. And you also discuss millennials specifically, um, you know, discussing what you want them to know about working on a team. So why was that important for you to include in the book? Well, since we do lead with our gray hair and scar tissue, right. it's really important to understand that you know teams are multiple perspectives. There needs to be diversity. And part of that is understanding and valuing experience of the people who have been there ahead of you. Right. So as we build teams and as we're working cross-functionally, it's important to kind of understand the power of those different perspectives. Um, our millennials are really driving home a, a concept that I love, right? Work smarter, not harder. Yeah. Find that balance in life and, and be able to walk away from work at the end of the day and, and have life. Yeah. But you have to put all of those pieces together and it's impossible to just be the smartest person in the room with the one right answer. Right. Because there's never one right answer. And so yeah. the value of team and of collaboration is really important. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I like to drive that home yeah. because we are coming in with life experience and, and it has value. Have you found that owning a business as millennials come into the job market that they, they don't really understand the meaning of the word team? I think they approach it a little bit differently. They, I think that they want to be a part of a team, but I also think they want to lead the team. Interesting. And, and brilliant ideas and unique ways of thinking that are very different from how I think. And that's the power of the collaboration of all of that. Does that mean they, they don't like having a boss or they don't want someone telling them how to do things? Does anybody really like being told how to do something? Yeah, but millennials specifically. <laughs> I, you know, I don't like being told how right. to do something, so I won't put it just on millennials, but right. it, it is something different. Yeah. And, and how we get to results, is right. it's important to, to give and take. Right. Well, the book's great. Um, it's very comprehensive and it's very personal, which is uh, really special. And you go into a lot of detail. And there's some anecdotes in here that you didn't have to include, but they make it fun and, uh, and it flows. And congratulations. Is there going to be an encore, book two? 
Maybe instead of cubed, quadrupled? Oh gosh, um, exponential growth, I don't know that I can handle that. You need another initial I do. for that. Or but, at least uh, another personality. Yeah, but congratulations, it's great, and we wish you uh, much success in the future. Great, thanks for being here. Thank you. If you'd like more information on the book, just check out our website at csweetbookclub.com. That's c-sweetbookclub.com. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time right here on Bestseller TV. Like what you just heard, visit c-sweetradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.